of Allah in most countries where the Jamaat is well established Majlis Khudamul Ahmadiyya and other auxiliary organizations have also been founded and the primary reason why the auxiliary organizations were created was to ensure that great attention was placed upon the moral, religious and spiritual training of Ahmadis of all ages. The auxiliaries were established in order to bring members of the Jamaat closer to their religion and to explain to them their individual responsibilities. They also serve to guide the members of the Jamaat about how they can fulfill material and worldly needs while staying firm to their faith. Further, it is also the responsibility of the auxiliary organizations to emphasize the importance of serving both your faith and your nation to the best of your abilities. As you all know, Majlis Khudam is made up of our male youth between the ages of 15 and 40. And Khudam Al-Amdiya is uh, is also aligned with Athalul Ahmadiyya, which caters for the moral and religions, uh, religious training of our young boys. Certainly, the older members of Athal, aged between 12 and 15, are of an, of, uh, an age where 
their minds are maturing and they understand the basic elements of their faith and the pledge they make. In light of this, today I am going to speak about the most basic pledge that all Muslims make, that is the Kalima. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. There is none worthy of worship except Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. These are the foundational words upon which the teachings of Islam are based. And the respective pledge, pledges of our auxiliary organizations, including your Khudam pledge, all begin with this declaration of faith. Thus, every Khadim and every Tifa who reaches an age of comprehension must pay serious attention to the meanings of this pledge and strive to fulfill it. The first part of the Kalima is La ilaha illallah, which means that no one is worthy of worship except Allah. Hence, the first and foremost principle by which any Muslim must live his or her life is that of Tawheed. The firm belief and acceptance that Allah the Almighty is one and has no partner. It is not enough to just repeat these words. Rather, they must be accompanied by a manifestation of one's faith through the worship of Allah and the most important and significant form of worship is Numaz, Salat. At various places in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty has commanded us to offer the five obligatory prayers. And so if we are negligent in our prayers, it means our declaration of faith in Allah is meaningless, without value and false. With great beauty and wisdom, the Prophet has elaborated upon this point. The Prophet says, a person is only sincere in his declaration that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, when in reality his conduct speaks for itself and proves that apart from Allah the Almighty, there is no one else worthy of worship and that there is no one else whom he craves and nor does he have any other objective besides Allah. The Prophet said that only people who reached this state of pure devotion and loyalty to God Almighty, where they considered the rest of the world to be meaningless <clears throat> in comparison to him, could claim that their proclamation of faith were true and not based on falsehood. He taught the true Muslim is he who, whose, heart, <coughs> whose heart and soul are intoxicated 
with the love of Allah and consumed by the belief that he alone is worthy of worship. This is the standard required. Otherwise, a person's proclamation of faith in Allah is reduced to superficial and hollow words. The second part of the kalima requires a firm belief that Muhammad Muhammad Rasulullah, that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. The Prophet has explained that the essence of the second part of the kalima is that the Holy Prophet is the best example for all of mankind because he was the perfect embodiment of following the commands of Allah, the Almighty. Indeed, in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty has deemed the Holy Prophet to be the perfect role model and guide for all humanity. Hence, at all times, every Ahmadi Muslim should keep the blessed example of the Holy Prophet of Islam at the the forefront of his mind and seek to follow his noble character. Certainly, our youth must realize that this is the golden key with which we can unlock the doors to success and in our only hope and means, and, and is our, uh, it is our only hope and means of presenting the true reality of Islam to the people of the world. In light of this, I shall now mention some characteristics of the Holy Prophet which we should learn from and seek to personally adopt. The love the the Holy Prophet had for Allah, the Almighty, and his complete conviction in the principle of the oneness of God was such that even the disbelieving non-Muslims could not deny or refute it. Indeed, following his claim, the disbelievers of Makkah would openly say that Muhammad has become besotted and consumed by his love for his Lord. In addition, the prayers of the Holy Prophet also demonstrated his complete devotion to Allah the Almighty. One prayer referred to, uh, referred by the Holy Prophet which should be repeated by all Muslims was, O Allah, I beseech your love and I beseech the love of those who love you. I seek from you the ability to do those things that are loved by you and that take me within reach of your love. O Allah, Establish such love in my heart for you that is far greater than the love I hold for myself, my wealth, my loved ones, and the taste of cold water. This beautiful prayer uh, prayer illustrates the Holy Prophet's complete fidelity towards Allah and we must seek to inculcate this spirit within ourselves. In today's world, people routinely give 
preference to their personal desires or religion to such an extent that it does not even enter their mind to manifest their love for their creator or to fulfill his rights. Even amongst us are people who are so obsessed with the desire to gain wealth and material success that they forget to offer namaz at the appointed times or are so busy with their family matters that they ignore their foremost duty to love and worship Allah the Almighty. How can this be the conduct of a true Muslim? Only if we consider the love of Allah to be above all other things can we honestly say that we are upholding our belief that there is none worthy of worship except Allah. La ilaha illallah. Further, for the establishment of the unity of God, the Holy Prophet said that whosoever acknowledged the oneness of God would be the recipient of Allah's grace and favors. The Holy Prophet said that a Muslim should declare the unity of God by praying La ilaha illallah wa'adahu la sharika la there is none worthy of worship except Allah. He is one and has no partner. His is the true kingdom and all praise belongs to him and he is the all-powerful. The Holy Prophet said that whosoever repeated this prayer 100 times would be granted the equivalent reward of a person who had freed ten slaves and that one hundred righteous acts would be recorded in his favor and one hundred sins would be struck off from his record. Further, remembering Allah in this way would protect a person from the influence of Satan from morning until night and no other person would be considered better except he or she who had spent even more time in the remembrance of Allah. This shows the true value that lies within our declaration of faith that la ilaha illallah Muhammad. And when a person sincerely prays in this way, there is no chance that they will be found wanting in their Worship of Allah, the Almighty. Without a shadow of doubt, it was the Holy Prophet ﷺ who scaled the highest possible peaks of worshipping Allah. No measure the circumstances, he would never allow anything to get in the way of fulfilling the rights of Allah, the Almighty. For example, it is recorded in the hadith that even during times of severe illness or injury, the Holy Prophet ﷺ continued to excel in the worship of Allah. On one occasion, the Holy Prophet ﷺ fell from a horse and as a result, his entire right side was severely injured. 
and he was unable to stand to offer his prayers. But rather than forsake congregational prayers, the Holy Prophet continued to lead Salat while sitting. At a personal level, we all know what our intentions and standards of worship are. And we know if we are trying our best to follow the example of the Holy Prophet it is a cause of great sadness that there are many Ahmadis who sacrifice congregational Salat for the sake of their own small personal errand or just out of sheer laziness. Yet without any shame or sense of embarrassment, they continue to repeat the words of Kalima claiming their belief that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad is his messenger. As I said before, words alone are never enough. Rather, they must also be mirrored by a person's deeds and conduct. Despite being the messenger of Allah and his beloved servant, the Holy Prophet was forever overcome by the fear of Allah. He constantly urged his followers to remain anxious that as a result of their negligence, they did not become the recipient of the wrath of Allah and deprived of his love. There are many narrations of the companions which tell us how the Holy Prophet would bow down before Allah and surrender himself before him in a state of complete submission and humility. For instance, it is reported that when he prayed alone, people could hear the Holy Prophet weep with such intensity that it sounded like he was screaming and wailing in despair. Some companions described the sound of the Holy Prophet engaged in prayer as like a grinding mill in action while others said that he sounds that, that the, the sound was like boiling water in a pan. This was the unparalleled standard of worship and of the fear of uh, fear and love of Allah displayed by uh, the Holy Prophet which was an example for all of mankind uh, mankind to come. Unquestionably, in terms of remembrance of Allah and gratitude to Him, the Holy Prophet reached the highest possible standards, no matter whether day or night, whether awake or sleep, whether in a group or alone. The Holy Prophet never forget, uh, forgot His Creator. It is narrated that the Holy Prophet told his companions that even when he was sitting in a group, he would continue to offer istighfar, seeking the forgiveness of Allah, at least 70 times. Just consider that if the Holy Prophet considered it necessary to offer repentance so ardently, 
then how important it must be for us to constantly repent and seek God's forgiveness. Indeed, the importance of istighfar cannot be overstated as it focuses our attention towards the worship of Allah and protects us from wrongdoing and sinful activities. Moreover, the Holy Prophet taught his followers that it was imperative to remain forever thankful to Allah for his blessings and that Salat was the best means of expressing gratitude. Regarding his personal love for namaz, the Holy Prophet said that it was true source of comfort and peace for his eyes and heart. And he would repeatedly pray that, O oh Allah, my Lord, make me the person who always remembers you and is forever grateful to you. In terms of love for the Holy Quran and obedience to its teachings, the Holy Prophet was the greatest example. As Daisha Rizdalanha relates that if a person wished to know the character and model, uh, morals of the Holy Prophet all they had to do was read the Quran. Every pore and every fiber of the Holy Prophet was engulfed by pure love and reverence for the world for the word of Allah. Whenever any portion was recited, he would become emotional and tears would flow from his blessed eyes. Once the Holy Prophet asked his companion, Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood, to recite a portion of the Quran and after a while he reached verse 42 of Surah Nisa which states that فَكَيْفَ إِذَا جَيْنَا مِنْ كُلِّ أُمَّتٍ أُمَّتٍ بِشَهِيدٍ وَجَيْنَا بِكَ عَلَىٰ هَوْلَاءِ شَهِيدًا And how will it fare with them when we shall bring a witness from every people and shall bring thee as a witness against the, uh, these? As he listened to this verse, the Holy Prophet could no longer control his emotions. And as tears flowed uncontrollably from his eyes, he gestured with his hand, asking his companion to stop reciting. In another narration, Hazrat Hurairah Yatalan reports that once during a journey, he had the opportunity to spend a night in the company of the Holy Prophet He narrates that the Holy Prophet had only recited Bismillah in the name of Allah. When he became so overwhelmed with emotion that he fell down in grief, Hazrat Huraira said that the Prophet recited Bismillah Rahman Rahim 20 times and each time he would again be overcome with emotions and fall to the ground. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet explained his grief by stating that the person upon whom the gracious and merciful God is not merciful is most unfortunate. <clears throat> Hence, today it is imperative that we bow down before that gracious and merciful God, uh, God 
worship him, weep before him, open our hearts to him and seek his grace and his mercy and pray that we are never cast amongst the unfortunate ones. I have spoken so far about the example of worship of the Holy Prophet and his relationship with Allah the Almighty, <clears throat> which helps us better understand the first part of Kalma, that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and shows us that how he fulfilled his duties to God Almighty. Yet, at the same time, the Holy Prophet also per perfectly fulfilled his duties to society and to mankind at large. <clears throat> and it is essential that we pay attention to this sphere of his life as well, so that we have full comprehension of Muhammad Rasulullah. Only then can we begin to understand how the Holy Prophet fulfilled his duties as the messenger of Allah and proved to be a true source of everlasting mercy for all mankind. In, very, in every respect, his character was flawless, beyond approach, and a perfect illustration of true morality. A fundamental quality of a believer is that he or she should be truthful and fulfill their trust and covenants. In this regard, even the opponents of Islam were forced to admit that the Holy Prophet was an example for mankind. For example, the testimony of Abu Sufyan, given at a time when he was an ardent enemy of the Holy Prophet is of great significance. Upon being asked by the king of Ethiopia what the Holy Prophet taught Abu Sufyan to his followers, Abu Sufyan testified that Muhammad said we should worship the one God, offer prayers, be honest and fulfill our trust and pledges. As I said, this was the statement of a sworn enemy and testifies to the fact that the Holy Prophet preached only a message of fulfilling the rights of Allah and of mankind. The unconditional honesty and integrity of the Holy Prophet was reflected at all times, no matter how challenging the circumstances. For example, in wars and battles, it was commonly assumed that the victor had a right over the spoils and could seize the wealth and property of the vanquished. Yet, the Holy Prophet's conduct in this regard was quite the opposite. Instead of seeking personal benefit and riches for him and his followers, the noble character of the Holy Prophet demanded that no injustice was ever perpetrated. For instance, the war against the Jews at Khaybar was extremely arduous and demanding. At that time, because of the prolonged war, Muslims were subject 
to starvation. A Jewish Ethiopian shepherd accepted Islam and asked the Holy Prophet what he should do with the lambs under his control, which belonged to the Jews. Whilst he could easily have ordered the, the shepherd to hand over the lambs, instead the Holy Prophet ordered him to honor his duties to the Jews and to turn the lambs in the direction of their owners so that they could make their own way back. Rather than give in to any form of temptation at a time when he and his followers were famished and desperate for sustenance, and the Holy Prophet ensured that the rights of the opponents were fulfilled and set an incomparable example of fulfilling one's trust and obligations. In a similar way, whenever the Holy Prophet signed a treaty or covenant following the end of wars and battles, he always ensured that he and the Muslims abided by them no matter what. For example, after the Treaty of Hudaybiya, there were times when the lives of Muslims were put at risk, but the Holy Prophet never wavered from the agreement and continued to honor every pledge made regardless of the danger. In all respects, the Holy Prophet taught and practically showed us how we must give priority to our faith over all worldly matters. And we Ahmadis all make this pledge again and again, but regrettably, whenever personal issues arise, there are many who choose to ignore it. For example, in Surah Juma, Allah the Almighty has said that when it is time for the Friday prayers, Muslims should close their business and give priority to the worship of Allah. However, there are people amongst us who dis disregard this Quranic injunction. Thus, I say to all our Qudam that they should keep this teaching ingrained in their minds and give full priority to attending the Friday prayers rather than giving precedence to worldly matters. In terms of the true status of materialism and worldly pursuits, we should all pay attention to the following hadith. On one occasion, the Holy Prophet entered a market with his companions walking alongside him. When he noticed a dead goat with extremely small and deformed ears lying on the ground, the Holy Prophet grabbed the goat by one of his ears uh, and uh, asked his companions if any of uh, one of them wished to purchase it for one dirham. In reply, the companions said that if the goat had been alive, they would have considered buying it, in spite of its deformed ears. Yet, how could there be any value in the dead animal? Upon this, the Holy Prophet said, I swear that in the eyes of Allah, the material world is even lower in value 
and more debased than this dead goat. And so do not follow materialism. Rather, always keep the attainment of the nearness and pleasure of Allah at the forefront of your minds. Furthermore, it is quite common amongst worldly people to think that a degree of falsehood or deception in business or trade is permissible. However, such an attitude is an example of prioritizing materialism over faith because Allah has deemed all forms of falsehood and deception to be sinful. The Holy Prophet warned his followers that there was an increased risk of falsehood when buying or selling goods and so before conducting any form of business he advised them to give some sadaqah, charity which would shield them from wrongdoing. Whenever entering a bazaar or market the Holy Prophet himself would pray, O oh Allah, I enter this market and desire only that which is good for me and I seek your refuge from anything bad within it. O oh Allah, I seek your refuge and protection from professing any form of falsehood whilst in this market or from any wrong trait. The Holy Prophet also reminded his followers that though a person may be able to sell goods on the basis of deception by exaggerating their price or quality, there could never be any blessings in such dishonest sales. On the other, hand, other side, the Holy Prophet gave the glad tidings to those Muslim traders or business people who were honest and fair in their dealings that on the day of judgment they would stand alongside the martyrs. The Holy Prophet also emphasized the importance of showing compassion to one's relatives and the blessings of keeping families closely knitted together. In this regard the Holy Prophet said that to respond in kind to the love shown by your relatives was not an example of compassion and mercy. Rather, true benevolence towards your family was to mend the broken ties amongst them and to heal any rifts that existed. Certainly, this is a golden principle which is of great importance today and if our youth pay heed to many of uh, to it, many of the domestic issues that arise in people's homes will disappear. In terms of his compassion towards Allah's creation, the Holy Prophet example was the very best. Never did he let any opportunity pass by to help the weak and needy. Rather, he taught that if a person helped his brother, Allah would help him and if he removed the difficulty of his Muslim brother, Allah would remove his difficulties on the day of judgment. And he covered the mistakes, and if he covered the mistakes of his Muslim brother, Allah would cover his mistakes on the day of judgment. A very important hadith, and one of, the, of that we know very well, is that 
a true Muslim is he from whose tongue and hand all others are safe. However, despite knowing these words of the Holy Prophet there are many who fail to act upon them. If people lived by this teaching, all hatred and conflicts would end, both at a personal level and amongst the wider society. This hadith does not only instruct Muslims to abstain from harming others, it also directs them towards humanitarian efforts because the deeper meaning of these words require Muslims to actively seek to help and serve mankind. The best example of this was the Holy Prophet himself, who was ever ready to assist the needy with his own hands and showered his love and mercy upon all deprived and vulnerable members of society. On many occasions, poor and needy people would stop the Holy Prophet as he walked to the mosque or somewhere else and he never became irritated or impatient. Rather, with great love, tenderness and attention, he listened to them, comforted them and helped them. Truly, we must all learn from this blessed example and realize that a true Muslim is he who considers the pain and grief of others as his own. Within the home, the Holy Prophet also set the best example and catered for the moral and spiritual well-being of his family. For example, he would wake his family in the night for Salat and called on other Muslims to do the same. Thus, our men should not only offer their prayers at the appointed time, but should also ensure that their family members are offering namaz and waking for fajr uh, prayer. This is something that Majlis Qadam should pay great attention to. As I said, in terms of his family home, the Holy Prophet set the best example and established the rights of women. Time and again, the Holy Prophet emphasized that a man must treat his wife with love, compassion and be fully respectful to her. He said that the best amongst you are those who treat their wives in the best way and that he was the one who took the greatest care of his wives. The Holy Prophet said that sometimes disputes, disputes arose between a husband and a wife, whereby they found flaws in one another or became irritated by certain habits. In this regard, he said that each spouse should remember that they themselves were not perfect and there would be things that the other did not like in them. Thus, it was, it was far better to focus on the good qualities and those things that they did like about one another. With this teaching, the Holy Prophet has given us very beautiful advice, filled with immense wisdom about how to maintain peace within our homes. It is also important that a husband speaks softly 
and kindly with his wife. In this regard, Hazrat Aisha Anha justifies that the Holy Prophet spoke in the softest tone with his wives and was extremely loving and caring of their needs. She added that unlike most of the men of that time, he would speak informally with his family and would keep a smile on his face within the home. Throughout his life, the Holy Prophet never once raised his hand to any of his wives or towards any servant, despite living in an era when, when such abuse was common and considered normal. Sadly, even today, there are many men who become angry with their wives over small and trivial matters. And so I urge the members of Majlis Qadamullah to swallow their pride and instead to follow the example of our noble prophet, Muhammad whose humility knew no bounds. Remember that the Holy Prophet said that men who were harsh to women could not be considered amongst the righteous. <clears throat> I have mentioned just a few of the qualities of the Holy Prophet and there are countless other examples which illustrate the perfect conduct of the Holy Prophet in all spheres of life. It is not enough to just hear or read about his example. But we must seek to adopt and follow the character of the Holy Prophet to the best of our abilities. Only then will we be amongst those who understand the true meaning and status of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Only then will we be able to claim that having accepted the Prophet Messiah al-Islam, we are acting upon our pledge to bring about a righteous transformation in our lives and are living up to the demands of the Kalima, which is the foundation of any Muslim's life. At the end, I will present the words of the Prophet Messiah al-Islam, which highlight his expectations of his Jama'at. The Prophet Messiah al-Islam said, Remember, our Jama'at is not for the normal worldly people who say that they are part of a community, but feel there is no need for any practical manifestation. Unfortunately, this is, he says, unfortunately, this is the state of the Muslims of today. Whereby, if you ask them if they are Muslim, they will reply, Alhamdulillah, with the grace of Allah, yes, we are Muslims. Yet, they fail to even offer namaz or to respect the basic commands of Allah. Hence, I do not want you to be like those who only verbally accept with their tongues but do not take any practical steps. Remember, such people are guilty of laziness and this is not liked by Allah at all. It was this very state, he says, it was this very state of the world that caused for Allah the Almighty to send me for the reformation of mankind. Today, those who claim to stand with me but do not make any practical efforts to reform 
and do not use their faculties to improve and who think verbally accepting is enough it is is as if they deny the need for my advent thus if you wish for my advent to be in vain and worthless there is no benefit to having made this association with me he says rather if you do if you do desire to be associated with me then you must seek to fulfill the purpose of my advent and to further my objectives and they, these are for you to bow before allah the almighty with sincerity and loyalty and to act upon the teachings of the holy quran in the way that the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his companions did the promised prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam further said in the eyes of allah the almighty it is not enough for you to just accept in words and to have no passion or sincerity in your acts rather always remember that the jamaat that allah wished to create cannot remain alive without practical mayors and true manifestation of faith <clears throat> accordingly we must always try to improve and reform and be sincere muslims so that when we say the words there is none worthy of worship except allah and muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his messenger we understand its true meanings and are motivated to fulfill the rights of allah and his creation we must endeavor to personally fulfill the mission of the promised messiah al-islam which was to make the world recognize its creator and to accept the unity of god almighty and to fulfill the rights of mankind we must strive to further this mission so that the world the majority of whom consider islam to be an extremist religion that promotes terrorism comes to realize that islam is actually a peaceful religion that desires for mankind to recognize its creator and to fulfill the rights of one another may we through uh, our conduct convince the world that true muslims are those who seek to build bridges of love and who seek to fulfill the rights of others at every level of society may we practically demonstrate the fact that true muslims are those who are striving to educate all forms of disorder and conflict from the world may allah grant us all the ability to fulfill this great objective to understand the true reality of islam and to spread it to all parts of the world may allah the almighty continue to bless majlis khudam ul ahmadiyya uk and all across the world in all respects amen now join me in silent prayer
Amin.